This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. This week, James Park. He's the CEO, the chairman, the co-founder of Fitbit. He's a return guest, Carol, and it was really interesting to catch up with him basically a year since our last conversation to get a sense of where they are. This is a company, as he says, very much in transition. Here's that conversation. Talk to us about the announcements this week, and let's lead with the uh, service, the uh, Prime service, because I think that's an interesting um, expansion of where you guys are going. Yeah, absolutely. So we we have a lot of exciting announcements today across software and service, as you mentioned, and also devices as well. And it's all to, in, in support of our company's mission, which is to make everyone in the world healthier, and in particular to make health accessible to everybody. That's really important for us. And at the same time, we're also in the middle of transforming our company from being a purely devices company to, again, being more of a services and device company with more predictable recurring revenue streams. And premium uh, is a really important step in that transformation. So what we announced is a all-in-one comprehensive health service that takes data right from your wrist and turns it into actionable and personalized guidance and coaching that helps you get more active, eat better, and sleep better. It has programs, insights, content, uh, coaching, motivation in the form of health games, a health report that you can take to your doctor. So it's no longer just about, hey, you took this many steps. It's like, okay, you did this, so hey, how? here's something else Absolutely. you Absolutely. It's what's beyond the metrics. It's what's beyond the data. So how do we actually... Uh, coach you and guide you to the next step. And that's incredibly important. That's what we've been hearing that our users want next right. from Fitbit. Well, tell us more about that, because clearly this is a response to the market. What did you specifically see? What did you specifically hear from your previous products that sort of got you to this? Well, it's, it's not so much from the market, but it's really from our customers, because yeah. we, we collect a lot of data from our users. We also see you know, how well they're doing, you know, how much weight they're losing, how much sleep that we're getting. And we felt that focusing more on the software and services aspect of health was really the next step in getting our users to become healthier. I think mm-hmm. we had taken uh, to the limit what we could do with just giving people metrics, and they really needed to understand what, what to do with that data. Mm-hmm. James, what I do wonder, and I, I agree, Jason and I talk about this a lot, I do think that the healthcare area, there is going to be a day where somebody, every, almost everybody has some kind of device tracking kind of their healthcare metrics at this point. You are, though, competing with some really big players, Apple, Samsung, among them. Um, you have a significant market share. They have a significant market share. How do you compete against those big players? First of all, we're the number two wearable brand in the world. Uh, People know the Fitbit brand as being really focused on health and fitness uh, rather than a hundred other things as well. And so the way we design our products and services really reflects that. So for instance, our hardware devices have a lot of battery life, ranging from five days to over seven days. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to do things like sleep tracking. You can wear devices 24-7, and sleep is such an important part of your overall health. So for instance, in Versa 2, which we just announced, uh, there's a few new sleep features that we're launching, uh, including Sleep Score, uh, which tells you with a simple number how well you've slept throughout the night. Uh, We're also launching a feature called Smart Wake, which tries to wake you up at the right moment in the morning. I gotta tell you, Uh, I love those kind of devices because it really does give you a better night's sleep. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying to solve people's real problems. And I think if we stay focused on that, um, you know, the competitive element. You're not worried about the other guys? We are, we are. But, you know, first of all, we have to worry about our customers and make sure we're improving their health. Right. And I think 
to that extent, if we can develop products and services that do that, I think the competitive element in some way takes care of itself. Well, and tell us about your conversations with investors, because obviously, it goes without saying, you watch the stock price more closely than we do. Investors are skeptical. They've driven the the price down. Uh, Help us understand what they're saying, what you're saying back to them in terms of how this transformation and transition, you know, may portend better revenue, better profits in the future. Yeah, I think investors right now have a wait, wait and see attitude, and you know, I, I think we, we acknowledge that and understand it. And we had some challenges earlier, you know, being very upfront with the launch of our Versa Lite product. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, we learned a lot of lessons from that launch that we're going to carry forward. Um, but you know, we're continuing to execute on our transformation, and I think what investors uh, uh, have to look forward to is, you know, for instance, with the launch of Premium that. We are hitting important milestones. The launch of premium is going to accelerate our transformation into a business that has much more predictable revenue streams, and we're doing things that even accelerate that. So, for instance, uh, we announced a deal with the nation of Singapore that bundles right. together hardware and services. And from what I understand, you beat Apple to get that. Is that true? Uh, we can't talk about the competitive element, but you know, the, the government of Singapore is a very forward-looking uh, nation state, and you know we're really happy to to work with them mm-hmm. to try to improve the health of their citizens. And the next step as well is uh, with the launch of Premium and Versa Two, we're bundling together Versa Two and Premium together at retail, and we're trying to transform again the idea of Fitbit not just as a hardware company, but as a solutions company that includes both hardware and software. So talk to us a little bit more about Premium because it does feel like we're at this moment where whether we're talking about streaming mm-hmm. services, whether we're talking about other elements of our lives where people are a little more comfortable paying up for quality, who's the market, how big is it for that premium product? Yeah, so we did a lot of market research before launching our premium service. So the great thing is um, a lot of our users, 27 million active users, were willing to pay for a service, and actually two-thirds of them were already paying for some type of health service or app to help them get more active, eat better, sleep better, et cetera. So um, the launch of premium at $10 a month or $79 a year is actually a lot of value for our users. Rather than paying $10 a month for three or four different apps, Mm -hmm. uh, they can pay for one integrated service that's incredibly affordable. So what ultimately is the mix between services and hardware? Do you ultimately see that in terms of revenues and profitability, that it's three quarters is coming from services? Uh, you know, we can't, we can't talk to the mix right now, but we do expect uh, in 2020 for uh, premium and other non-device revenue to actually have a meaningful impact on our gross margins. And we want to rapidly increase the mix of our revenue that comes from premium over time. Can I, can I just follow, because it is interesting about kind of what Wall Street's perception is right now about your company and, and this kind of explosion that we're seeing in the fitness space, you among them. But it's interesting, like Citigroup has said that your shares may be worth $2 a year from now. They say that you lack a mass appeal smartwatch with full two-way texting functionality, such as an Apple Watch. What do you say to them? And this is one of the two analysts that have a sell rating. There are folks, I think there's three buys, five holds, two sells. What do you say to the investment community that they're kind of missing about your picture and your story? Yeah, so I think the first thing is that actually we've grown uh, device shipments year over year. Uh, Even our fitness tracker business, which people thought was a stagnant category, we grew tracker unit shipments 51% mm. year over year. Versa is an incredibly best-selling smartwatch, uh, not just in the U.S., so around the world. And we've grown our active user base steadily year over year. Uh, and it's right- sticky? You get a user and you, and you hold Yeah, it. so one of the stats is since the start of the company 12 years ago, 
33% of our users are still actively using our devices. And if you think about it versus a typical uh, health and fitness product like a, you know, a treadmill or a gym membership, et cetera, Where they used I to think end up 33, clothes yeah, on, right? You know, that's measured in weeks of retention. <laughs> 33% of our users over 12 years are still with us, and I think that's incredibly sticky. And we have 27 million active users, and that's an incredible foundation on top of which to launch a premium service. All right, so let's talk about, in some ways, the other end of that spectrum, the accessibility piece, because we talk so much about sort of the affluent mm-hmm. fitness market. You've talked about that with us before. Clearly, the premium product is in part aimed at them. But pushing this down to a much broader population, it's good for business, clearly. It's also kind of good for society, yeah. I think we would all agree. Right. How do you do that? How do you make it accessible? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a primary focus of, of the company. So first of all, we try to make our devices as accessible as possible. And, you know, first aspect of that is it's cross-platform. Our products work on both Android and iOS. Uh, we've driven down the price points of our devices or so tracker products are incredibly affordable versus a full-blown smartwatch from some of our competitors. And through our health solutions business, we try to work with employers and health plans, the nation's leading health plans from United and Humana to either partially subsidize or fully subsidize our devices and software. And a great example of that is with United Healthcare. Uh, you know, for seniors, Fitbit devices are a fully paid for benefit in 42 Medicare Advantage plans in 27 states. So we are working very hard to make what we're doing not just uh, you know, something that's accessible to the well-off, but to everyone. How many people access it in their health plans? Uh, you know, we don't break amazing. out that number, but it's, it's growing. And it is. You know, health plan adoption is a key part of how we plan on driving our user base and, again, of making what we do accessible right. to a lot of people. Do you anticipate more contracts like you got in Singapore, other Asian nations kind of signing on? Because what's interesting is we're seeing <clears throat> as people have moved up the economic scale, right, in terms of the type of food they're eating and so on and so forth, we're seeing more health problems, whether it's diabetes and so on. So I'm curious if you see more contracts like what you've got in Singapore in other, in well, other areas of the world. Well, as, as you clearly said, it's a global problem. And I think people, yeah. yeah, people are trying, you know, they're beginning to realize that. So one in three adults around the world have more than one serious chronic condition, whether it's diabetes, hypertension, uh, cardiac condition, sleep apnea, et cetera. And we've got to find creative ways to combat this problem. You know, technology isn't the end-all, be-all, but it plays an important role. But technology has to be incredibly affordable and accessible. Well, speaking of technology and fitness, we're all sort of captivated by Peloton, you know, releasing its S1. It's clearly a big moment, it feels like, in this intersection of technology and fitness. What do you make of this moment where we are now? You know, we've sort of gone through this boutique fitness craze. Technology seems to be uh, coming to the fore in-home, more personalized. Where are we in sort of the evolution of our sort of broader fitness journey? Yeah, I think we're right on the cusp of something that's new. I mean, you saw that, you know, we went public three years ago. Livongo just went public as another Mm -hmm. digital health company. Peloton's going public. So I think what this all says is, you know, we're at the cusp where technology, data, machine learning is going to enable new advances in health and fitness technology 
that again allow uh, the quality of care, a high, high level of quality of care, to be accessible to a lot of people, and that's incredibly important. Well, and does it also uh, maybe presage a moment where Wall Street and investors sort of get a little bit more comfortable with the metrics that they can use? I mean, it was interesting mm -hmm. even reading Peloton's S1. You know, they're coming up with new ways to think about churn, about monthly usage, and all these different things. Because part of the case, it seems, is that Wall Street just doesn't fully understand, doesn't have the right models to, to fully uh, value uh, fitness companies. Yeah, and, and that's actually one of the challenges for us as well. And I think we have a double challenge where we have an enterprise business coupled together with a consumer business. So I think one of the challenges and opportunities for us is to help investors understand the opportunity in our business. What I also do wonder, and I, and I feel like you guys are going at it um, in terms of you know, providing accessibility, because I do think for a long time, memberships to clubs and so on and so forth was really for wealthier individuals. Um, how does making it more accessible kind of change the market size that's out there? Yeah, absolutely. So the way we think about it is who you are, where you live, how much you make shouldn't dictate the quality of care that you receive. So through technology, the promise of remote care, uh, remote monitoring, I think this is where, you know, from a business perspective, the addressable market becomes much, much larger and at the same time, we're helping so many more people. So that's what's exciting to me. And when you look at the universe of companies uh, that are out there, are we headed for, especially as the market gets bigger, mm -hmm. an era of another raft of startups coming? Are we looking at an era of consolidation? <laughs> like, what's going to happen next, do you think, as this market matures? I mean, is there a company out there that you'd be interested in, in working with more closely? Uh, you know, I think the great thing is, uh, right now, if you look at the whole ecosystem of health apps and services and companies, there's a lot of innovation going on and there's a lot of opportunities for partnership. And you know, for, for me, I've been at this for 12 years now. Right. And you know, we're a very mission-driven company, so it's just very exciting for us overall to see this whole area explode. Well, and I do wonder about that. I was thinking about that. You know, 12 years in, you're a very young guy, but you're sort of an old man in this business <laughs> in, in some ways. Maybe, maybe uh, being in this business has aged you more than you thought. You've seen a lot. Uh, yeah. But you've seen a lot. Um, I mean, what's the biggest change over, over that 12 years, you know, both running this company and also sort of seeing the evolution of this market? Yeah, I think one of the biggest changes is when we first started out, I think people were just skeptical about the very concept. You know, was it a fad? Would everyone use this? And uh, you know, it was from the early, very early stage with venture investors as well. Uh, and one of the challenges we had was, you know, again, so actually around this concept of accessibility, a lot of the early venture investors were very serious uh, cyclists, yeah. triathletes. So they thought, you know, what's the market for a simpler device that, you know, is usable by, by more people? They didn't quite get it. And, and now it's clear that this whole area is, is not a fad. That's the biggest change that I've seen. That's, I think, really fascinating. Does, do, do investors get it? Does Wall Street get that part of it? That it's not just kind of a cool thing that, all right, I want to you know, check in with it, but it's become a much more um, thing that maybe becomes a way of our living. I'm not sure they're there yet, but the way I see it is if wearing a device and being signed up for a service helps you uh, detect, diagnose diseases at a much earlier state, uh, help you manage those conditions, and at some points, literally save your life. Like, you'd be crazy right. not to wear one of these devices. I do wonder, though, just to play devil's advocate for a second, we're also at this moment where we're 
maybe some of us a little skeptical about technology and all the ways that it impacts our life. Or invades our life. (laughs) Whether it's privacy, whether it's just our reliance on our devices, you know, mostly like a smartphone or something like that. How do you sort of kind of thread that needle of we want to enable, you know, good technology and data collection and things like that, but ultimately you're about an active way of life. I mean, that that's a... That's a maybe tough road to, to walk at some point. Well, for us, it's actually been easy from yeah. uh, the data privacy aspect because you know our business model isn't predicated on advertising and, and selling data to third parties. So actually, from the very beginning of the company, we've had a very strict po- privacy policy where we've told our users, we don't sell your data to third parties. We only share your data with explicit opt-in consent. Um, and so, And we don't work with companies on our health solutions business that don't uh, uh, ascribe to our bill of rights that we've created, Mm -hmm. uh, which include things like uh, you can't have punitive measures uh, in place for people who don't participate or who don't hit certain goals, because at some point, you know, that that could have been a trend. Uh, So I think we're very aligned with with our users. Uh, Again, we're a very mission-focused company. We're a brand that has stood for, you know, helping you, uh, you know, get more healthy and get more fit. And, you know, I, I think our, our users are very aligned with that and very passionate about that. Speaking of alignment, I am curious about the medical community because I do feel like you have mm-hmm. to have them on board to say, you know what, this is a useful device that I'm going to, you know, recommend to my patients. Where are we in that? Uh, I think, honestly, we're in the, in the early stages. I think yeah. there's a lot of forward-looking doctors who have embraced uh, digital technology and remote monitoring technology into the way they care for their patients. I think there's a lot more room to, to, to go from there. One of the things that we're launching with our premium service is this health report, where we've actually worked with leading physicians to create a summarized view of the data that we're collecting off uh, our devices. And we hope uh, that report, because it's been constructed with the help of doctors, creates a very productive dialogue between patients and physicians in the context of an office visit. So you talked about a company in transition, transformation, whatever word you choose. Uh, Where are we along that sort of uh, timeline, and when is it complete? Uh, Sooner rather than later, I think, you know, the premium announcement is one that we've eagerly anticipated internally, and I think a lot of outsiders, including investors, have waited for as well. You know, it's a very visible and tangible step in us saying, hey, look, we're not just a devices company anymore. We're a solutions company that includes services and hardware, and we're shifting our revenue streams from episodic device sales to more recurring and predictable revenue streams. James, how much, though, are you worried potentially about whether we go into a recession? How does that impact your business? Is this considered something that's not a necessity in harder economic times? I'm just curious about that. You know, I can't speak about macroeconomic issues, but I think the but idea But you've, 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 you've been around with your business through the crisis and stuff. So I'm we went through 2008. <laughs> I think we managed successfully through that. Uh, for us, though, I think health, um, it's, it's not a discretionary thing. It's, I think, something that's really important in people's lives. But I think you think people, that. Jason thinks that. I definitely think that. But does, it, does the you know, world at large kind of think that at this point? Um, I think given the just awareness and explosion in health and fitness apps and services and the amount of money that consumers are spending even today, yeah. uh, I think it's something that's here to stay. 
that was James Park, Fitbit CEO. He's also chairman, president, and co-founder. But, you know, as you mentioned, the company's definitely in a transition. This space is getting increasingly crowded, and this company's trying to make its mark. Wall Street, not necessarily all in on it, but they did have some news uh, this week, and we'll see how it plays out. Well, and what I liked about him is he's all in, for sure. I mean, even, you know, what we saw behind the scenes was after we were done taping, he actually fixed my Fitbit (laughs) uh, for me. And I like that. I like when a CEO is like... ultimate helpline. I know, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Genius bar, to use the uh, nomenclature of one of their big competitors. But, you know, seeing him sort of in the mix there, I mean, he's having to make this case to Wall Street, which so far remains skeptical. Yeah, exactly. I will say, though, that emphasis on healthcare, I do feel like that's the next big territory to be untapped, and they're definitely playing into it. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm Carol Master. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.